You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue, and I'm Rira Yu. And in this episode of Books and Boba, we'll be talking to author Maureen Gu of the new novel "I Believe in a Thing Called Love." Uh, Rira is going to be leading that interview since I have not read that book yet, but she has, and she's also our resident K drama expert. Not an expert, but I've seen my fair share. Enthusiast. Uh, that's a good word super fan no not super fan no, <laughs> definitely not super fan um, um but before that we're gonna go through new releases and book deals and yeah just, just some literary news that anything that came up between last episode and this episode that you know that Riva picked up on her her super radar she has like a super radar for book news that just catches the so-called radar is called twitter <laughs> <laughs> like, just follow a bunch of authors on twitter and you'll know what's up and um, don't forget that the book club book pick for the month of June is None of the Above by I.W. Gregorio. We'll be discussing that book um, next week for our uh, monthly discussion episode. Oh, wait, next week. Oh, crap. I need to start reading it. <laughs> <laughs> our meetings is Saturday. <laughs> um, I haven't started either. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so we have one new release uh, in on our list today so okay we'll start with that um and the book is called marriage of a thousand sons by sj sindhu it was released on june 13th and it's published by soho press the novel follows lucky and her husband krishna who are both gay and agree to marry each other to hide the truth from their conservative sri lankan american families oh so NBC Asian America did a great uh, feature on the author, so I would definitely go check that out. And uh, moving on to book deals and news. Um, first up, it's... <laughs> you can make me say this. <laughs> Pussy Hat Project co-founder Krista Sue sold her book DIY Rules for a WTF World to Grand Central Publishing. The book is planned for a winter 2018 release. Um, okay. This is... So you know how like the women's march, there were a lot of uh, women with like those pink hats, right? Pussy. Got so it. like, uh, <laughs> so Krista is one of the co-founders of that movement, and okay. she and like an LA uh, knitting store like crafts owner, they uh, uploaded like the pattern to ha- on on how to make the hats. Okay. So her book is definitely um, like a craft. Right, so this like is like how crafts to... for the resistance type yeah, of yeah. thing. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, next on our list is Dal Books for Young Readers Bought World Rights to Kevin Singh's To and Fro, a picture book about two small animals who come across a snowman for the first time, only to be puzzled by all of his accessories, and in a wild misinterpretation, use them to host a party for their friends. The publication is slated for 2019. That sounds super cute. Do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> um, Athenaeum bought author Patty Kim's debut middle grade novel, I'm Oak, um, spelled OK. The book follows a Korean American boy named Oak whose get rich quick schemes of starting a hair braiding business and winning the school talent competition hide the fact that he's struggling to cope with the loss of his father and the poverty that he and his mother are now living in. 
Publication is set for fall 2018. And last on our list is Cartwheel, an imprint of Scholastic acquired Michelle Wong McSween's board book, My First Mandarin Words with Gordon and Lily. The book has two panda cousins, one from Beijing and one from Brooklyn. And the book introduced readers to basic Mandarin words. And that is planned for 2018. I'm super excited that there's so many like Asian slash Asian American like focused books for younger readers now. Yeah, like there were none when we were growing up. None at all. I think the, the closest was like Tiki Tiki Temple, but that was like now looking back, super racist, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, right. You remember that, right? Yeah, vaguely. I mean, I had a weird childhood where I didn't read a lot of children's books or picture、um. books. I started reading chapter books when I was like four or five. So like. I only read children's books once I got into college. Really? Because people were like talking about <laughs> Dr. Seuss and they're like, oh, my childhood. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is this green eggs and ham thing that you, you guys are talking about?、So. Not even like Lewis Sacker, like Sideways、mm. Stories from Wayside School. Nope. Was nope. there an Asian kid in that book? I don't remember. There must have been. But、um, yeah, excited that there are more books, more diverse books for younger readers. That's awesome. And we're going to move on to、yeah. the second part of this, of this episode, which is our interview with the author of I Believe in a Thing Called Love, Maureen Gu. And yeah, please enjoy. Yeah. Hello, everyone.、Uh, today we have a very special guest on the podcast.、Uh, she is the author of the 2013 novel, Since You Asked, and her newest novel, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Came out last May.、Uh, please welcome Maureen Gu. Hi, Maureen. Hey, Maureen. Hi. Thanks Hi. for joining yeah, us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. We totally did not just have like 20 minutes of technical difficulty. <laughs> oh, we don't yeah, have to、no. know about that. <laughs> we, just got, we just got on the phone. <laughs> so,、uh, for our listeners who haven't heard much about your book, can you、uh, briefly describe the story to them? Yes.、Um, so, the very quick pitch that I give for this book is that it's a YA novel and it is about a high achieving girl who decides to use the tropes found in K dramas to snag her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs>、um, I know with K dramas, they're, they're kind of like a lightning speed process. They like write and film it very quickly.、Um, yes. But books are a different story.、Um, I'm guessing that this book took you at least a little over a year.、Um, when did you start writing it? Yeah, this book is.、Um, I started writing it way before, like way earlier on.、Um, I don't know how to describe it, but like I started writing it very long ago and then I actually finished it way after. You know, like I took a long break. So let me think. 2013 was when my book came out. I think I started writing it in 2014. 2014. And、um, I, I took a break because for a lot of reasons,、um, 
I think like after my debut came out, I was kind of overwhelmed by a lot of things and what I wanted to do next. And so I decided to just kind of work on a freelance project. Um, and, oh, sorry, that like dinging noise. It's my cat's uh, <laughs> color. <laughs> She's drinking water right now. I'm like, why are you choosing right now to drink water? <laughs> um, but it, um, it took like a nine month break from writing. Basically I started, I had the seeds of this idea for the book. I started writing it and I did like kind of like a really rough, um, you know, a partial manuscript. And then I decided to take on this freelance project and it was such an all consuming project that I, I think that one, the project was really all consuming, but two, I kind of needed the break without knowing it. And I didn't even open up like my computer, like word, Microsoft word or, um, anything for about nine months straight. And then once I was done with that project, I was like itching to write again and I was very ready um, because I wonder, I kind of took a break too to see like, do I really want to write this book? Like, will I feel, still have that desire after this break? And I did. And it was like so powerful like that, that I wanted to finish writing it. I finished writing it in like two months after that. Two oh, or three wow. Months. That's really fast. So yeah, <laughs> it was like fast because I hadn't written in nine months and I think I had all this pent up um, writing energy in me. Um, and so, yeah, I cumulatively, think- maybe it took me like five months to finish writing this book. Um, and then, you know, the editing process, once I sold it was a long, it was like nine months of <laughs> really big edits. So yes, it was probably faster than a, uh, slower than a K drama. <laughs> um, but still pretty, in a way, it was slow for even YA um, writing, I think. And also, but to me, it felt really fast once I actually kind of figured out the book. So that was a very long answer. <laughs> I, th- I think that's really impressive that you uh, sat down and wrote the first draft within the first uh, within two months. Um, a lot of a lot of like seasoned authors, they give the advice of you have to write every day. Like stare at your yeah. stare at your word document until like words bleed out of your eyes. But um, I think it's re- yeah, I, I think no. it's really important to <sighs> <Not> take. <for> <laughs> I think it's really important to take breaks and to figure out like what you want to say. I think that's a really big part of storytelling. Um, but yeah, you know, it's more natural. But unfortunately. You know, I wish all of us had all the time in the world, like to follow our muse, you know, (laughs) but this is also now a job um, and you have deadlines. And that book, I was lucky in that, um, you know, I didn't have a deadline for that draft. It was kind of at my own, my on my own schedule. And um, but I, I don't know, in retrospect, yes, I could have worked on it during those nine months and sold it earlier, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, I'm four years between books, which is like an eternity in YA time. Um, but I don't regret it. Um, because I think that that book was not ready until it was ready. Um, and it just so happened to be ready. <laughs> you know, it just so happened that like nobody was waiting for it. Thank God. <laughs> Except my agent. Um, but yeah, you know, I used to think too, in the beginning when I, you know, first published my book and I'd have to go, I do a lot of like speaking at schools and, um, you know, do a lot of book panels and things. And you always get asked like, what's writing advice? And I used to give that writing advice to write every day because, um, I feel like it's really hard. It's really 
it's really hard to motivate yourself to write, right? That's like the number one hurdle for all writers in the beginning. And um, I think the act of writing is actually very important. Even if you're writing junk, I think it's like working a muscle. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I think I translated that into write every day. Cause it seems like, Oh yeah, if you write every day, you're a writer, you know, like you can call yourself a writer that day, even if you only wrote like five words. But then after this experience with my second book, um, I feel very differently. I feel like I do feel like it is a muscle you have to work. And I think, um, waiting for the muse to strike is not realistic. Like yeah, you have to yeah. just like do the work. Right. But I do think that you can take long breaks and you can have moments of like, uh, we, like a lot of authors call it like filling the well. So I fill my well when I feel depleted, which is what people might call like writer's block. Um, I fill my well like by taking breaks and watching TV shows that inspire me or reading other kinds of books or, or reading YA. But usually I try to stay away from those genre that I am writing um, because it's just like, t it's overwhelming. It's too close. It's like, yeah, <laughs> too close. Um, Cause at that point you have your book ideas and then you start to see your book idea in every book. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm not like original. Everything's been done. You get very discouraged or you read something excellent. And you're like, this is so good. I'll never be this good. I might as well just die. <laughs> so what kind of books do you like to read? Um, I like to read a lot of adult literary fiction. That's actually my first reading love. Um, and then I also like to read, um, romance novels. Like that is totally for me. It helps me so much just to like de-stress. Um, and I like to read middle grade sometimes. And, and if I'm reading YA, I often like to read like fantasy, um, you know, just stuff that's a or historical stuff, just things that feel out of my realm of writing. And then it kind of helps me, um, you know, it, it, I think, um, so my friends who is also a white author, Cecil Castellucci once said, like, you should read what nurtures you when you need it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's totally changed my view of reading. Cause I used to feel like I need a reading break. It's like too much. Um, I, you know, you're supposed to read like kind of for homework, the stuff that you're, you know, your competition or things that are in your in your genre. Um, but I didn't like doing that. And I was like, God, I don't really know like what I'm supposed to be reading while I'm writing. And she told me like, you should read what nurtures you all the time, whatever that may be. And that was really great advice for me. A lot of authors, YA authors anyways, um, we, we kind of lose the joy of reading and it's really sad because that's the whole reason why we started doing this. Cause we all were readers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes when you become an author, you lose that joy um, because it becomes work and it doesn't become this pure thing anymore. Hmm. Um, so it really helped me to kind of like find my joy in reading again. Well, I had a lot of fun uh, reading your novel, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Um, I'm Korean American yeah. and oh my God, I got so many flashbacks <laughs> while I was reading this book. I was like, oh my God, I used to go to the video store with my mom and we would pick out dramas together. <laughs> right? The video store. That's like, people don't even know what that is anymore. Like, what does video mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even know how people get their K-dramas anymore other than like streaming services. Online, yeah. I, I know, but like That's for it, like, yeah. for like... For like the middle think, age audience, I don't know how they get um, their dramas anymore. Well, my my grandma who recently just passed away, up until she was like really ill, she 
would had had me go get DVDs for her at the. Um, <laughs> at the, they are still exist. Video stores still exist, but they're all DVDs now. Um, and I think they're for older people, like my grandma. Um, so it's still like the same bootleg, like <laughs> blank disc with a sharpie. Um, you know, in these like little plastic sleeves, and I used to go there with like a handwritten note from my grandma, like, "Okay, this, these are the vi- these are the DVDs she wants." Um, I mean, don't underestimate so, middle aged yeah. people with iPads neither. Like my mom watches her Chinese dramas on her iPad, like oh yeah, all by my herself. <laughs> my God, my mom's like on her <laughs> treadmill. She watches K dramas. That's like the only thing that motivates her to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. I'm assuming that you had to do a lot of research uh, for this book, um, whether that was watching a lot of K-dramas or um, asking experts. So my question yes. for you is, what was your research pro- uh, research process like for this book? Um, yes, it was heavily... I, okay, let me. if I should break it down, I feel like 50% of my research was watching K-dramas. Probably, like, I watched way more than I needed to. Um, But what happened was, so this book was, like, an idea in my brain. Uh, Let me see, what year is it? So, like, four years ago, I thought of this book. And um, at that point, I hadn't been watching K-dramas anymore. It had been a long time. Mm -hmm. So the stages of my K-drama life were, you know, watching the boring ones when you're really little (laughs) with your parents. Like it's super melodramatic like family music. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're always in the background. They're always so dramatic, um, and you know I didn't quite understand what's going on. And then like, kind of like high school, they started getting cool. They had like young people K dramas, you know, um, like Star in My Heart. I think was like the breakout one. Oh yeah, and, yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I watched I watched it with my Korean. I I had more Korean American friends um, in high school, so it was kind of like a fun thing to like discover like, Oh, I like Korean things. Um, and that was one of the things that we all bonded on. And so those, that was like a stage. And then I went to college and I, I, I watched some in college and then it kind of I petered off. And then when I went to grad school in Boston, I really missed Korean stuff. Like it was like such a white city. And, um, <laughs> I felt so disconnected and I didn't even realize like, wow, I really, I have this very Korean side of me that I need to nurture. So I would go, I found like the one, there's like this one DVD Korean drama place that was near me. Um, and I would go there and I would watch some. So I watched a few then. And then it was, that was like when I was 25, 27. And then a long, like at least five year break of not watching Korean dramas until I had to, um, think of it you know think about this book and so I was like what's like around in Korean dramas like how do the young people watch them and I found out like oh my god Netflix and Hulu has k-dramas so I started watching them on those first you know like Mm -hmm. I was like very non-committal about it like I'm not gonna like pay for these subscription like k-drama services I'm not like that bonkers yet and um and then I got hooked because I started watching boys over flowers first on Netflix (laughs) and um it was so addictive. And then from there, I just discovered drama, um, like K-drama websites. And I discovered uh, Drama Beans. Oh, my God. Drama and, Beans. Yes. Yeah. Drama <laughs> Beans is like the best, right? And then I, I found out, oh, the Drama Beans um, girls or the women, they live in L.A. So I reached out to them and I asked, hey, I'm writing this book that's like 
focused on K dramas and would you guys um, want to read and like give me notes? I would love your input because even though like in a way I, I knew K dramas really well from watching them my whole life, the new version of K drama fandom is very new to me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I realized, Oh my God, like there are people that are such experts on K dramas. Like they know like every actor's name, who the directors are, writers, you know, the various um, networks that, you know, what networks do what and you know what their specialties were and all the like stuff happening behind the scenes so you know they were wonderful so they were a big part of my research too they read a very 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 early draft gave me like excellent notes and then they were like kind of available when I had questions throughout the you know process and then they actually they helped me write like the k-drama starter guide I have in the back of the book um, which is for people (laughs) who maybe want to start watching k-dramas they don't know where to start so um, they really helped me with that. And I mean, they've been great. And so they helped me with research. And then the other research for this book was um, not related to K-dramas, uh, just kind of like high school stuff, which a lot of YA authors, we have to do all the time, you know, because we haven't been in high school for so long. Yeah, kids so, these days you know, are so different with their Snapchat and like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, my book is dated already, you know, I'm like, oh, they were like, facebooking on there or something i'm like oh great facebook who does that anymore (laughs) teens definitely don't um but you know i had yeah technology but also like you know luca's an artist so i wanted to figure out what is a high school art art class like nowadays and i have a cousin who um you know works at a high school and she's taught art classes so she was a really great resource i had a ton of people that had to help me research like i have a like one scene on a boat, which took like a bunch of boat research. Um, and also like Desi's dad is the mechanic. So I had to have some car stuff. So I talked to this brother of a friend who's like an expert with car, you know, it's just, it's really funny. Like where your research takes you for like the seeming, like seemingly very, um, kind of like, uh, not research heavy books. Cause mine is like a contemporary book it's set in a high school with people that are very realistic, but, um, you end up having to do a ton of research just for very little facts to make sure that it feels authentic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think people underestimate the research that a lot of authors have to go through for, uh, drafting. Um, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It's really a- fun. You know, I love doing it because then you go down, but then you're like, uh Oh, like I've been on Wikipedia for three hours. <laughs> So. But it's so important though because you don't want people to read something and say this isn't real. This yes, because one happen. person will always find that one thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you will have that person. I mean, like one thing I really love about this book it's it's an own voices book. You're Korean American, and the protagonist is Korean American, and um, yeah. like you know, authenticity is very important. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I want to talk about. Uh, Desi, like, how did you come up with their character? Were there any challenges when you were uh, developing her character? Yeah. Um, so Desi, for those who haven't read the book, she is a very high achieving, uh, very determined, very good girl. So, you know, she kind of fits the K-drama heroine mold, which is how I initially thought of her. And so the process of thinking about Desi was first she came in my head as like, okay, I got to think of like a K-drama heroine essentially as the main character for this book. Cause she, she is, this book is a K-drama, even though it's also talking about K-dramas. So it's kind of like, 
she wants to follow these steps. And it's kind of funny because she fits the K-drama backstory already. Like, so I, I have her, um, you know, she her she lost her mother at a very young age. So that's kind of like her sad, the heroine always has like a sad family story. Um, usually she's like an orphan, but you know, I was like, well, <laughs> not going to be that dramatic. Um, and so I wanted her to have a sweet relationship with her dad, um, which is a big, actually a big part of this book. And her dad is the one that loves K-dramas. And in the beginning, I just had her be this uptight kind of like perfectionist driven girl. Um, and I didn't quite know her. I just knew like this is a type. She, there's like a type in rom-coms and a type in K-dramas. And this is what she's filling. And I realized like in my first couple drafts, like, there's, I wasn't connecting with her because I don't relate to that personality. It's not really my personality. Um, and I, I realized I was thinking of her in very like, uh, not, not stereotypical, but like kind of like, she's like a trope, you know, her character is like an archetype that you find in storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, um, so because she was easy to figure out in, in that way, I, I realized I wasn't working that hard to really know her. And so um, I kept trying to figure out, okay, she's a perfectionist because her mom was this doctor, this like perfect doctor. And she's always trying to live up to her mom. But that felt very like hollow, like kind of cliche too, right? Like, oh, you're, you're, you're dead mom. You have dead mom issues. And I don't say that to be flippant, but that's kind of like a cliche, you know, mm -hmm. um, Disney stories, like the mom is always dead um, and K-dramas too. Um, and then I realized, okay, actually, what is her major problem? <laughs> Why is she so adamant that this, that this list will actually get her a boyfriend? And I figured out, oh, it's because when her mom died, like her dad was really sad and she didn't, she couldn't stand seeing her dad sad. And so she made a plan to fix her dad's sadness when she was little. And that's like the prologue of the book. And that determination set her whole path in life her whole belief system, which is that if you have a plan, you can control everything. Like you can control your happiness and your sadness. Um, and so that's where it came from. And I really related to that, you know, that I was like, Oh, I am very controlling in a way because I feel very hyper aware of people's feelings around me. And it's, you know, I have high anxiety issues. And so I, I feel like that's when I connected to her and one, and I felt like that was a very, more, more of a special, uh, a more of a special quality to her character that made her very likable from the beginning. You know, not that I really care about making her likable, but I think that you have to connect to the main character at some point. Oh, you yeah, know, even definitely. if she's yeah. flawed. So yeah, I, I felt like that was a way, like, to make her kind of undeniable for people. Yeah, I really loved the relationship uh, she had with her dad because, uh, you know, like Korean immigrant dads are usually very patriarchal. They don't know how to express love. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and they're very like, you cannot date until you're like 25. And then once you turn 26, they're like, why aren't you married? Um, right. <laughs> but it seems like Desi's dad is is just like, this sweet little marshmallow he is such a romantic <laughs> and he watches k-dramas and um it was just so nice to see a non-stereotypical uh korean 
daughter dad relationship. Was that something that you uh, thought about when you were coming up with a relationship? Yeah. It, it, um, oh, one, thank you. Cause that's like actually really nice to hear always. Um, but I, so when I thought of her dad, I knew, okay, she's going to have this dad who watches K dramas and he's going to be kind of eccentric. And that's kind of based on my dad. Like my dad, <laughs> your dad watches my dad K dramas. <laughs> well, yeah, my dad and my mom, both of them, probably my mom is way more obsessed. But my dad has always watched them too. Um, but he, my dad is very kind of like an offbeat, interesting guy that I don't think is like a lot of Korean dads, but in some ways he's a total Korean dad. He's like, <laughs> he has notions of what women should be like and you know like but my dad has always been very like encouraging whatever I want to do with my life he's very um you know he does all the cooking in the house all the cleaning now too (laughs) so there's you know and like so it's kind of based on my dad a little bit and um my dad also he's an engineer but he also loved to fix cars as a hobby um and so that was kind of where that came from but then you know, my dad is very emotionally repressed, like most Korean dads, to be honest. And so I wanted a dad, though, where I also thought about the generation, right? Like Desi is 16 now. It's different from when I was 16 and Korean parents, you know, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Um, I would think that there's a little more open communication. Um, and I did want to, you know, I explored in Since You Asked the kind of relationship I had with my parents, which was a lot of like conflict you know, culture, um, this whole like generation culture gap kind of fraught, fraught with a lot of like angst and, um, misunderstanding. So I kind of felt like I did that, you know, I did that story, which was important to me. Um, and for this book, I wanted something different. So yeah, I wanted them to have a very close relationship. And I also was inspired by K-dramas, because a lot of K-dramas have sweet relationships between dads and daughters, you know? Um, and so I kind of tapped into that. Like I watched, uh, answer me 1997, which had a really great father daughter relationship, I thought. Um, and so that was, that was a bit of inspiration for, for that. And yeah, so I was thinking about it, but at the same time I was one calculating, right? Like, yes, I want a dad that's like different, but then two, he was already formed in my mind. Like, and I think that happens with a lot of writers. Like you, you try to plan a little bit, but also some things just happen organically and you can't explain. So that his character like just came to me, but then I, 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 and then as I worked on the book, I wanted that relationship to be a focal point because readers really responded to it. Like mm-hmm. the few readers I had in the beginning. So, and my editor loved their relationship too. So then I like kind of went back and I amped up like the depth of that relationship. Yeah, I thought um, the relationship was really lovely. Um, So I was really surprised when I was reading the book that you used real drama names. I don't know why, but like when I picked up the book, I thought you would make up fake dramas to fill up the story. But you actually use real drama names. And I was like, oh, I know what Protect the Boss is. Like, I watched that a long time ago. Um, So were there any specific dramas that you uh, used to help structure your book? Because obviously, a lot of (laughs) K-dramas, they they have a lot of tropes, but they span a lot of genres. So They do. Yeah. um, In the beginning, I had actually a mix of fake and real Korean dramas, um, as I referenced it, because it was totally like whatever worked for the moment, right? 
it fit the needs. I made up a drama if it didn't exist. And then other times I remembered a moment from a K-drama that would have been perfect. And then my editor was like, um, this is like very confusing. You need to either go with like all <laughs> fake or all real, which is obviously she was correct. Um, so I decided, you know what, this would be really fun for K-drama fans to know which dramas I'm talking about. It's like a fun Easter egg. I mean, it's not even an Easter egg because I'm like saying these are K-dramas, but they're like, I think it would be fun for the K-drama readers to read real ones. So um, I went with real K-dramas, which did put me in a bit of a pickle sometimes when I couldn't, you know, because that means that some some of the plots or moments in the book had to be dictated by the K- like a real K-drama existing to fit that moment. So in a way that was like a bit of a headache, but I think it was worth it in the end. And um, as far as the structure of the book, and uh, I would say that Boys Over Flowers was a huge influence on the overalls, the steps that she has in there. Um, yeah, some, of the, I, some I actually, of the steps definitely reminded me of Boys Over Flowers. Right? Yeah. Well, and then the, the last scene, you know, the, the pool, it, that was like an homage to that drama. You know, like I'm directly like making a reference to that drama. If people, people think like, oh, some people are like, oh, that reminds me of this moment. I wonder if she knew. I'm like, I 100% knew. Like I've, like I had, <laughs> that was actually like my little homage to that drama. But um, I, I initially, the first idea for this book came to me like in the form of like, ah, somehow like they've got to follow these, tro- like the girls got to follow the tropes. I don't know, like in what way. And so I wrote all this tropes down that I could think of. That was like my very first, the first thing I did with this book was I wrote down, what are all the most like tropey tropes in K-dramas that, and then I sent out a call to all my friends who watch K-dramas, like give me your tropes. And so <laughs> I had this long list of tropes first. Right. And then I try to structure, I try to find a story within that. And then once I figured out my story, I went back and I changed the tropes to like fit my story better. Um, you know, some of the tropes, like I straight up had to like make sure that they were in K dramas. Cause I was like, this is maybe not a K drama trope, but it has to happen in the book. So then I had to like kind of do my research and be like, Oh, okay, this, yeah, this does exist in a few dramas. Um, and I watched mostly for the inspiration, like, you know, it was like strictly rom-com cause this is like a rom-com. So, um, I, you know, I watch a lot of contemporary dramas, like, uh, my, oh gosh, everybody has a different name for this, but my name is, my name is Samsung. That was one, uh, or my lovely Samsung. I don't know. Yeah, that was like classic. a big one. Cause it's yeah. like a Bridget Jonesy, like, I mean, her character is like embarrassing and has all these problems like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, anything with like an innocent girl who works hard, you know, that was like a, my, my, my love from another star. Oh no, no star of my heart. Even though it's an old one, that was also kind of a K drama trope, like a tropey um, K drama. So I, I referenced that a lot and all like that drama is so clear in my head because it's such a impactful one in my life. Um, so yeah, there were quite a few, I would say it was very much like a mishmash, but mm. if you had to pick one boys over flowers is a big influence. Yeah, um, it's funny that we, we mentioned Boys Over Flowers because, um, like, this is going to be a total sidebar. So, <laughs> sorry, Marvin. Uh, you can edit this out later. But right. um, when I was in college, I roomed with this Korean girl, and her, and she knew that I read a lot of like mangas. And Boys Over Flowers is based on a Japanese comic. Oh, 
right? And uh-huh. Ahana Yoni Dango. And she, she had I watched a couple episodes of Meteor Garden yeah, in yeah, college. Yeah. <laughs> that so, was uh, the Taiwanese version. So my so my roommate had asked me, like, hey, have you heard of Hana Yoridango since you read mangas? And I said, yeah, what of it? She said, oh, well, my dad's doing, uh, my dad's producing a Korean adaptation of it. And it's, oh my God. Yeah. And she was like, oh, and it's going to be called Boys Over Flowers. Do you think, do you think it's going to like be popular? Do you think people w- would be interested in watching it? And I remember saying to her, good luck with that. Cause this, <laughs> cause I remember the manga being so over the top. And I was like, there's yes. no way they can get real life human beings to do half the things that happen in this comic. <laughs> um, that is so funny. That yeah. is crazy. Um, I just got like starstruck. <laughs> um, that is so cool. But yeah, I mean, that is the most ridiculous K-drama. That's why I often recommend it to people. Cause I'm like, it literally has every trope in the book. And also it's so outrageous that if you can like kind of go along for the, this ride, then you will be able to, you'll be go able to handle a lot of K-drama a lot rides. Of stuff, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah uh, speaking of outrageous stuff so um with desi she has something called flail flailures i don't know if i'm saying that yeah it's very hard to say yeah it's like a tongue twister um so she's like an overachieving uh type a uh good girl like she's athletic she's like valedictorian but when it comes to boys she's a mess and disaster follows and um, I just wanted yeah. to ask, were any of the flailures that were in the book inspired by real-life events, maybe yours or friends? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Um, so just as for clarification, flailure comes from flirt plus failure equals flailure. Oh, I am because a master she, of like, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? It's because she, like, she's so good at everything, but around guys, like she just does something embarrassing all the time and she just can't get her like shit together, you know, with, with guys. And so, um, she, yes. Okay. The, so the big flailier that sets her off on this like this crusade to like get a boyfriend is, um, I don't even know if that's the right word to use, but she, she meets this cute new boy. And they have like a nice flirty moment and she thinks like, oh, like she kind of gets hopeful, which is kind of bad, right? Because she's like, why am I hopeful? Like literally it never works out. And um, and things seem to be going well. And then basically her pants fall off in front of him because she's wearing like fashion sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> with this drawstring. And this literally, when I was first dating my husband. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, the thing is, if my pants fell off in front of him, it would not be a big deal, you know, because at that point, like, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, who cares? But I was in front of him and a bunch of other guys, and we were riding bikes, and I was wearing these, like, flimsy drawstring pants, and I jumped off my bike, and my pants fell off. Oh my God, <laughs> and no. it's just, like, so unreal that that actually happened, like, when your pants fall off, like, <laughs> on their own volition in front of a group of boys. Um, so that was a very embarrassing moment in my life. And that moment that Desi has has to be really embarrassing. Um, right. Cause it has to really push her over the edge. And, uh, the drama being girls actually helped me with that because they were like the original draft. She just kind of was like saying a lot of embarrassing stuff and that was it. 
But mm. they were like, no, it has to be really embarrassing, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, well, literally embarrassing things have happened to me my whole life. So <laughs> let me just think of something that might jog my memory, you know? <laughs> and so that was, that was the one that made an end. I have to say, of all the flailers that were in the book, I thought that one wouldn't be something that was inspired by real life. <laughs> I know, it's like wow. so unrealistic. But it happened to me. Uh, yeah, that was like so embarrassing. I just immediately burst into tears like, oh my god. <laughs> but you know, I've like had like automatic doors crash on me in, in front of class. You know, like I've I've done so many embarrassing things like in college and in my youth. So I've grown very used to embarrassing things happening to me. I'm very hardened and tough about it. <laughs> I feel like we need to get failures like trending on Hashtag Twitter failures. or something. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to do this whole like flailier, like everybody confess your flailiers, but um, I just got so lazy. Like in the end, it was like too much. <laughs> Not even confess. I feel like it should be a rallying cry, like flail army, Flailier. right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, um, my publisher made me these awesome buttons, and one of them says, like, I excel at reading but fail at flirting. (laughs) Um, I thought that was really cute because I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that. Yeah. I guess uh, wrapping up, um, are there any projects that are coming up, another book? Yes. um, I am working on another book that is going to come out next year. Um, It's another contemporary YA, and... It, it also features a uh, Korean American main character and she it's a summer book and it's set in LA and it's my first time writing a book set in LA, which is where I born and raised and I still live. And it's very, um, I think it's like an homage to the city. Uh, but also it's about being a strong female in tough times. <laughs> Awesome. Um, and it's also like funny, you know, it's, it's not like anything too hard hitting, but it's, um, it's another kind of fun contemporary, uh, and there's a romance. It's just not like the main, I wouldn't call it like a romance. Um, but it's like a fun summer kind of coming of age book. Um, and it involves like a lot of food and, Oh yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I am on so board. <laughs> and you guys are, are you in Arcadia? Um, well, I live in San Gabriel, the San Gabriel Valley. Um, Rira lives oh, yeah. in Pasadena. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I have like a whole yeah. like foray into San Gabriel. Like they go and they eat, you know, Chinese food and they get like shaved ice. And um, the the love interest is Chinese American and he's from the SGV. So um, it's kind of like my very LA book that I had avoided writing for a few years because it kind of scared me to write about this city because I love it so much. And I Mm -hmm. think it's so complex and I just wanted to do, do it right. Um, you know, and, and I wanted, if whatever books that was set in LA, I knew had to be like, LA had to be a big character. And so, um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, but title and synopsis and all that will be, is, uh, release later on um not your not cover your cover should yet. have uh have like good food pictures i think <laughs> <laughs> that's like one way to I get know. people to pick it up i mean if it's gonna be sgv it should just be a boba cup i know a boba cup a bowl <laughs> of noodles um yeah it'll 
hopefully yeah that's a good idea i think i'll try to feature some food on it (laughs) (laughs) well congrats on your book it's funny i was just talking with some friends about what if some people actually took like all the lessons from k-drama seriously and applied them real life no. like oh my god i know i was like please nobody attempt this <laughs> my you, friends like you might die because there are like three incidents in this book where like a character almost died my friend was more yes. concerned about whether or not they knew how to kiss properly oh my god and it was so long your first kiss would take forever and oh my gosh i'm sorry i don't know if you guys curse on no this. it's totally it's all right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would take forever and then it would like take forever to get to that moment and then once that moment happens it's gonna be slow-mo and then the girl has to keep her mouth like closed so tight like <laughs> and her eyes squeeze tight and like literally not move her arms have to be like stuck to her side um yeah it would not be a fun first kiss in my opinion i mean like k-dramas have gotten a little bit raunchier since okay. like the early yes. 2000s so it's not like it's not it's as not just, chaste and innocent it's not as just it used to be right. face smushing anymore it's what yes. <laughs> <laughs> it got i mean it's a little more like uh you know a little more sexy but it's still so they they change face angles mm. so that's one thing that has changed yeah some, and i mean sometimes you see like tongue on occasion and i'm like oh my god it literally like makes me jump out of my seat i'm like that is very like risque yeah. you know i mean like before it was just like oh my god they held hands oh. <laughs> or like oh my god they're in the same bed they like woke up the next morning that i mean that's still kind of rare but like it's a little more common now um and i like i'll never forget like watching personal taste or personal preference so- sometimes it's called um where they like actually have a sex scene. Wow. I mean, it fades to black, obviously, but it's like, <laughs> what? You know, like, anyway, that was very shocking. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with us, Maureen. I've I had a lot of fun yeah. talk, talking about this book and also about oh, K-dramas. Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Congrats um, again. And yeah. And I guess we'll call that a show. Yeah. Uh, where they? Where okay. can they? Where can they find you, Maureen? Like. Oh right. Um, I am very active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and both of my handles for that is at m a u x b o t, which is at mobot. Um, I know I should probably change it to be more professional, but <laughs> I can't let it go. It's um, all right. And I, you can also find me on like all of that info on my website, um, maureengu.com. And you can find my book at any major bookseller. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I will talk to you guys later. All right. And that was our interview with Maureen Gu, the author of I Believe in the Thing Called Love, available now in bookstores everywhere. Um, I feel like I learned a lot about K dramas. You should read the book. I should. I finished Eventually. it, so now you you can, yeah. you can have it. I'm still working my way through the advanced copy of Warcross I have. Yeah. So after that, um, I don't know. I have Crazy Rich Asians on my list. I kind of feel like I want to read that book, even though I know we're going to have it as a book pick later on. Um, but just feels like I need to be able to talk about it 
I mean, you could talk about the filming and the casting of yeah, it, right? But I feel like I wanted, I want the inside information. Like, oh, are they picking the right people? Who's this person playing? I mean, it's a little bit too late to debate whether they pick the right people, <sighs> Harvey. That's true. Have you been seeing that? There's been a lot of really good pictures from like the set that like Jimmy O Yang and people have been posting. Looks looks pretty good. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us on this episode of Books and Boba. Don't forget the June 2017 book club pick is None of the Above by I.W. Gregorio. We'll be talking about that next week on our monthly discussion show. Um, and don't forget, if you're in L.A., you can come out to our in-person meetup. Um, I think it's going to be at the Oh My Pan in Pasadena. Um, if you have read the book and want to talk about it, come chat with us. And on that note... We'll see you next time on Books and Boba. Read, read, read. Bye, everyone. <laughs> this episode of Books and Boba was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and produced and edited by Marvin Yue. For further discussion on the books covered at Books and Boba, please visit our Goodreads forum. You can find the link on our Facebook page at Books and Boba, as well as by searching for the group Books and Boba on Goodreads.com. Don't forget you can purchase your monthly Books and Boba book pick as well as other books mentioned on the podcast by going to the Books and Boba bookstore at bit.ly slash boba books. Books and Boba is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a brand new collective of Asian American podcasts and podcasters. You can learn more about the collective as well as check out our founding slate of programs by visiting the website www.podcastpotluck.com. If you like this podcast, check out the newest show from the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hello, and welcome to the creatively named Korean drama podcast, where we are watching the hit drama Boys Over Flowers and talking about it with uh, a few friends. Yeah. Like, they're just very rich and they're beautiful, right? Yeah. The entire first episode, I feel like, mostly features them walking through doorways or <laughs> yeah, walking into right. place, right? right? People yeah. are screaming and they're walking. That's the only thing that those four guys do practically yeah. the entire episode. Who, at this Boys point, of watching this drama in episode two, would ever be like, Tandi and, and Permboy need to be together at this I point, right? I'd know. be like, I detest this guy. Yeah. You know, I kind of I'm rooting for her and Ringo <laughs> at this point. Ringo needs some I love. Like, yeah. I like pottery guy. All right, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, You're committed. I'm com- I'm very committed, you guys. New episodes of the Korean drama podcast drop every Tuesday at podcastpotluck.com.